Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello, and welcome to the episode. Today is the second part in our little series on utility venture capital. And today I'm talking with Peter Mikovets from Infant Capital which is the venture capital uh, business of Chess, the utility. Hello, Peter. Hello, thank you for having me. And thanks for joining. So, Peter, I'm really interested to hear a bit more about Invent Capital, why Chess set it up, how you circle back and work with Chess, and what you've learned over the last years. So, some of our listeners, many maybe, won't be familiar with Invent. Let's start off with some quick bar questions and uh, short facts about Invent. So, when did you start? We started in 2014. Okay. And how big are you, or how would you describe how big you are? Numbers, pounds, euros? Sure. 240 million euro of committed capital from Chess, the utility which set us up in the first place. and. Uh, 50 million from European Investment Bank, altogether 240 million euro. Okay, and how many investments have you made over the years since 2014? Yeah, we have done uh, 14 investments. We will announce in a couple of weeks from now 15th one. Yeah. And uh, by the way, two exits and one unicorn born in our portfolio. One unicorn, and I know, but for our listeners' benefit, who's the unicorn? Uh, it's Forta, a Berlin-based freight forwarder. Uh, we let $50 million around uh, last year and then in a year time, SoftBank, Forta, uh, and uh, show us beautiful term sheet. Oh, congratulations to them and to you and SoftBank for getting a great company. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and stage of financing. Um, for those not familiar to the venture capital world, you get everything from seed to late stage. So do you invest in brand new startups or where along that startup maturity curve do you typically invest? Think of Invent as a rather later stage investor. So Series B, Series C would be uh, uh, where we would be investing. But we have done A as well. Uh, if we see a really uh, great fit with our investment strategy, and a great growth opportunity. Okay. And you're from the Czech Republic, but what's your geographic footprint? Yeah, we are based in Prague. Uh, however, we invest in whole Europe and Israel. Okay. Um, great. Well, that gives us a really good quick portrait of Invent. Um, now, let's... Uh, Let's start by how the energy transition space has changed. So you started in 2014. Hmm. I don't even know if the word energy transition was used in 2014. Uh, I think it was, but it's some time ago. In Germany, it was called Energiewende, right? And I yep. think at the time already, it was uh, pretty vocal. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, from setting up there, and looking for startups to invest in, looking for opportunities to where we are today. 
how do you see that change when you when you look back and remember what it was like when you when you set up in the capital? Yeah, uh, I think things has really changed. Uh, by the way, at that time when we set up Invent with 240 million euro, we were actually one of the largest uh, clean tech uh, funds out there in Europe. And not that many uh, utilities or corporates had their uh, venture capital arms. This has changed uh, dramatically. And if I'm not mistaken, the, the, the volume of investments in clean tech in seven years, more or less, uh, became five times bigger uh, than uh, the uh, investments in, in the VC, uh, in general, in VC business in general. So the clean tech became actually very, very popular, I would say, and that's just the beginning. And does that for you mean more competition for the, the quality startups out there that are looking for funding? or? Is there still plenty to go around? I think it's. it's I think competition is good, uh, uh, but lots of players uh, set up their corporate venture arms, and it doesn't really work. Uh, so um, there are there is a competition, but not everybody is able to provide the right value proposition and be able to uh, target really the, the future winners. Out there. Mm. Okay, uh, we'll come on to a bit about what your proposition is but uh in again thinking back to 2014 last question about this um what about the the opportunities to invest so when you look now at the opportunities out there and you think back to 2014 how has that changed or what was it like back in 2014 yeah, yeah i think there's a huge difference uh i think and that today i would say uh we can we can see uh, more than 15 different types of technologies out there in clean tech who are just about to get commercialized and go into scale. Uh, you know, six, seven years ago, it was more about innovation and finding the right value proposition. At that time, storage system uh, attached to the uh, solar system in a family house didn't make uh, much of economic sense still. Now, uh, you know, clean tech became a mainstream. So we have uh, products with value proposition which actually makes economic sense. Uh, and that's, uh, that's a great news for scale up phase. So back in 2014, there were a lot of technologies looking for applications that, where they didn't have a compelling proposition. Uh, yeah, now, yeah, now the market's moved on and I guess companies can generate revenues more quickly. They can start to scale more quickly than they could back then. Exactly, exactly. I mean, uh, it's not only the innovation which has evolved, but even the, the, the market uh, attitude and customer behavior changed, right? Mm. And uh, this is, a, this, and regulation has even kind of strengthened and support, supporting the, Energy transition even more. So you got you. Have, we have a lot of tailwinds uh, from coming from regulation, and we have a customer behavior change, which is supporting it as well. And we have a beautiful products uh, out there with nice value proposition, uh, which needs to scale. And that's that's where we are today. And you've explained that you've got investments from Ches the. Czech utility from the European Investment Bank. 
how has, I mean, you've made some nice returns for chess with a unicorn exit, fantastic. Um, what about the strategic rationale? So did Chess see infant capital as a financial investment or strategic? I guess the answer is a bit of both. But uh, how? what about the balance of that? And can you tell me a bit about how they hope to get that strategic return? Yeah, got it. Yeah, I think it's, it's um, they see us as a financial investor with a very clear strategic focus which makes sense to them. And this uh, prioritization has important uh, consequences. Uh, so we as Inman Capital uh, are out there in the market as a uh, actually almost independent fund with the fund structure, which with uh, looking for clean exits, uh, not strategic acquisition. And, and that helps us to really target the best, uh, best uh, opportunities out there uh, uh, and that's uh, uh, a very good business model. Now, uh, if you think about it uh, uh, and look at us, what we are doing and look at the portfolio we have created, uh, there's lots of interactions going on on the business level between chess and portfolio companies. So you see uh, our portfolio companies doing business with chess on arm's length basis. So the strategic okay. benefit is that we are kind of filtering the best uh, best products and uh, business models out there, and and uh, enabling uh, chess to enter into the business uh, with someone they wouldn't actually see, uh, and that's uh, why they have us. Okay, so you're in a way chess's window onto the world of clean tech. Exactly, um, exactly. And we had to do a couple of great uh, deals with Chess actually because at the beginning we need to agree that we will actually invest in someone who is, you know, uh, attacking status quo of the, of the centralized uh, energy uh, business models Chess represents, right? It was a pretty tough decision, but the, the uh, logic was if we don't do it, someone else is going to do it anyway, so there will be, will be these attackers. So we decided it's just that it kind of makes sense to be part of it uh, rather than just look at it and and, uh, and not be and be disappointed. And could you could you argue that some of that interaction between your portfolio companies and shares would have happened anyway, or is it just so much easier given the connections that you can make to the between the companies and between shares? It's so much easier. Now, you look, we see 500 startups a year in the clean tech space, right? In Europe and Israel, and that's uh, and we see them only, and they speak to us only because they know we can invest and have clean exits for them, right? So um, that's not what corporations have, right? They have you know complicated structures. Uh, there isn't motivation really, uh, right? And uh, there is no big reason why the winners of the new energy uh, should speak to them in the first place. So, so uh, it, you know, that's why I'm saying we are the eyes and the window for them. And, uh, but the business model is very important because, uh, you know, you need to have motivation of both sides so that the interaction starts and so you can actually, you know, you know introduce someone to chance. And so how much of, your time or your team's time is spent 
with Ches, because I can imagine the majority is, is in the capital, looking at investment opportunities, working with your portfolio companies. But how much of your time then is talking with Ches, nurturing those relationships, understanding their interests, making those connections? I'm sure, uh, uh, limited but very intense. Yeah? So we know, uh, understand the strategy of Ches. I've been uh, working with Chess for some time uh, within the corporate development. So there is a very strong bondage and uh, we know what they're up to and what is what I'm interested in. Uh, and yep. we know their questions. So we have pretty broad uh, investment uh, focus, uh, which is decarbonization of whatever activity of human beings on this planet. Check it out. And uh, then, so we are bringing back, uh, first of all, things which makes by them by itself sense, economic sense, and uh, and then uh, open the doors. And if there is a will and opportunity to do business, they do it. If there's not, they don't do it. Yeah. Okay. So, so for some of your portfolio companies, they may end up having nothing to do with Chess at all, for example. Yes. That exactly. That can that can happen. That can easily happen, and that that's perfectly. That's perfectly fine. But yeah. majority actually do cooperate. Uh, for instance, the Israeli-based uh, drives of a software company which uh, is managing the charging infrastructure of any kind out there mm -hmm. uh, is used by Chess. Uh, and it's not a pilot, it's a full commercial scale-up uh, because they, were, they are the best in the market. Um, and that's why they, they, uh, they won the deal with Chess. Um. Peter, I'd like to ask you what, when you look at all the portfolio companies you've worked with, um, you know, some of them you've exited, Sonnen is a great example that many of our listeners will know about. Um, what have you learned from working with them about how they scale? Because I, I see no shortage of innovators, startups, good ideas in the energy transition. What I see a shortage of is that ability to scale. So You're, you are right. Yeah. You're right. That's that's the that's that's that technology has matured, uh, and it's all about the business models. And if you look, you know, if you look at Forto, for instance, right? In a year, they grew from 250 people to 650 people in a year to 12 months' time. And what I have witnessed that these guys were able to uh, inspire um, uh, very experienced managers coming from big tech companies from Silicon Valley, moving from Silicon Valley to Berlin uh, and uh, starting doing business with them. So my key answer um, <laughs> to your question is ability to hire the best talents uh, on all levels uh, is actually very, very important. And it has to do with not only with the great vision these companies have and, and uh, and the culture they represent and the values they share, right? But as well with some sort of practical things like whether the city your headquarters is based has kindergarten for the kids of those managers. Yeah. Okay. And is that common across your most successful portfolio companies, that ability to hire, would you say? Mm -hmm. um, That's key. Exactly. Those, those where we haven't seen you know, addition on the chairmanship in the board or getting very strong chief financial officer who is complementing the founder 
with uh, uh, the experience from big investment banks and IPO. Uh, if you don't see this happening, you know there's something missing, and uh, and uh, it truly differentiates the, the the winners with those who might just be great, good, average. But that's that's the differentiating factor. Yeah, and so the the founders, the people that are driving these startups. I guess their ability to sell their story to potential employees is as important as their ability to sell their story to you as an investor and to their customers. Exactly, exactly. And if you think of Christoph Ostermann, for instance, from Zonen, right? Mm. I think he, he is the guy who, first of all, had great vision and he stick to it. He wants to really become the utility of the future, the decentralized utility of the future, managing other, other people's assets, right, as a business model with clear mission to democratize energy, right? And he was able to really communicate it, articulate it to all stakeholders. And we raised together with him $180 million since 2015 and till the, the exit. So. You better have a good story. You better believe in your story, and you better able to sell your story. But it's not enough. Uh, it's all about the trust. You talked about an alignment you need to have between the investors, uh, the board members, um, and the key customers and partners. Actually, being able to partner is important as well. And I know another one of your companies, uh, Tado, for example. They are. They're one of the best I've seen in creating partnerships. So, wherever, whichever country I look at, you see, you see Tado talking with an energy retailer, for example, or a, an appliance manufacturer or a service company. So, do you see that again across your portfolio companies, that need for partnership, or is that just relevant for some and not relevant for others? Well, it's it's important. It's important because what we see we see convergence of different sub-industries. We see uh, financial industry, fintech, converging with clean tech, with with the data and and, and, and mobility. We see lots of things coming together and uh, to offer one key and simple value proposition for a customer. So you need different type of expertise and knowledge. So you have to decide what you're going to own and what you're going to be your key asset and what you're going to yeah. outsource or use from uh, using your partner. So um, yeah, the standalone businesses, beautiful piece of hardware so, or just piece of software, that's not enough. Uh, you need to be able to combine a lot of things to, uh, to succeed in the market. And I see companies finding that partnership quite hard often because mm -hmm. Well, in the energy world, there's been a mentality of build it yourself or buy it in. But that partnering, even partnering with competitors, maybe. Um, yeah, and, and then those gonna, those gonna, yeah, they, those gonna walk away from the business. Unfortunately, that will be the future. Look, look at look at Taro. It's coming back to the people, right? Uh, Christian Dalman and Johannes Schwarz, the founders, right? At some point in time, decided to pick uh, their new CEO, someone who comes from the uh, from the in different industry, actually, to bring in this type of thinking, right? How to build and scale companies, 
And uh, that's again the reason as well why these guys are, have all they need. They, they have nailed the whole business model, sourcing from China, selling, partnering, different uh, distribution channels. You have to bring in uh, talents, uh, you have to bring in people with, uh, with experience, how to scale companies, if you as a founder really want to succeed and you really want to have an impact. And anything else you'd like to highlight for our listeners, Peter, in terms of key ingredients, common success factors, or failures? Because let's face it, when, when we're innovating, uh, it's never never guaranteed success. So any other yeah, lessons that you've learned over the years? Look, you know, it's uh, uh, now, there are a couple of things which really matters and become more important as we have learned uh, our lessons. And one of the things I really would like to stress is the uh, what we call constellation for success, which needs to be built in the company. And what it means is is the um, uh, the alignment the the founders are really able to create between themselves and the managers they hired and the people they hire, the employees, uh, investors, customers, suppliers. The board and that's actually very important so one key uh, lesson learned is that that the startup founder should really think twice before they pick concrete investor uh, and let them join their their ride because uh, it's going to influence their future um, so it's not only that we do diligence as investors on the founders but founders should do diligence on the investors that would be key lesson build very strong pyramid. They build the foundations uh, with uh, with people who think alike or share the same value, but are critical uh, and, and and are able to give you a feedback. So, how do you differentiate yourselves as an investor? We we spoke at the beginning about yeah. uh, this space becoming more crowded, which is great because there's more capital flowing into startups, but um, there will be competition for. The best startups. So, what, what's your sales pitch? <laughs> Our sales pitch is uh, very different than the pitches you see from other VCs and corporate VCs. Uh, we usually get on the stage as a team because we embrace the team spirit, right? So, instead of talking about team spirit, we perform team spirit. So, we build pyramids. We with with ourselves. We uh, we uh, sing and dance Hakka, because by the way, Hakka is the best pitch ever, right? You don't, you know, you really understand what, what the Hakka guys are telling you when they when they do Hakka, right? There's no like yeah. half pregnant situation there. So so we 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 live uh, what we want to see uh, within the startup uh, teams, and and we show it and take a risk uh, to lose a face on the stage. So that's one thing we. We lead by example, and we are not afraid to, to, to lose the face there. Uh, that's for number one. For number two, we are invested through EIB. So to give you a little bit of hard stuff as well, right? And, uh, so in addition to equity, uh, usually European Investment Bank venture debt team look at the portfolio and provide venture debt, non-dilutive money along our equity, which is actually very helpful as well. So we they, we can open the doors there. Obviously, they they they, they took their um, decision. Yeah. And, and last but not least, we are really those guys who, when they, when we, when 
when we invest, we invest in a consortiums. Uh, we try to see rather the bigger pie. We try to share. Uh, when we do diligence, we uh, we create value. It's not a check. It's creating value exercise. Sometimes we use uh, McKinsey Digital uh, teams to help us figure out some some uh, some opportunities on the market, and which is then provided uh, to the startup. So. Uh, we help startups. That's our mantra, and we live it every day. It's really interesting, Peter, because you shared a, a, some summary material about Invan with me before the podcast, and hearing you talk about the the hacker and that team, that pyramid, that working together as a team, actually that shone through in some of the material you shared with me and that that video clip. So I can see that if you really live that and believe it then it makes it a very authentic um very authentic for startups you're you're talking to it's not just a promise they can actually see it in you and your team exactly and what's happening to us that it serves as a magnet we are getting those guys who you know startups who see it similarly who speak their heart who try to make a meaning rather than focus on profits profits follow yeah. usually great meaning guys who really want to you know create not only unique product, but product which actually creates value for someone. Guys who do the math and deliver decent unit economics. So it makes all sense. Guys who create trust, which goes far beyond the startup, not only within the, the, the small team. And that's very, very important. Well, there's a, one of my favorite bits of management advice is, uh, you probably know it, start with why. So uh, start with why you exist, why you're together, what you're trying to achieve. And yeah, I'm a huge believer. If you start with why, then as you say, everything else won't automatically flow, but yeah. tends to flow much more easily if you, if you start with your mission and your real purpose. Um, Peter, time's getting the better of us so let's uh bring out the talking new energy crystal ball and i've got a, a question we haven't really talked about it so much touched on it a little bit if we set the crystal ball this week to 2030 what types of companies will be dominating the the clean energy sector or the distributed clean energy sector that we've been talking about and you talked earlier a bit about working with chairs they may have seen some of these companies as competition but you're making those connections so by 2030 to what extent will it still be the big incumbent utilities to what extent will it be Sonnen or Shell has now bought Sonnen what, what's your view as to what the sector will look like in 2030 yeah it's a really tough one right if I knew but look you know in general I would say that only those uh, firms who are able to serve the needs of the customers will survive, right? So uh, watch those who are already, already today able to, to, to identify the real needs, uh, are, are solving the real problem, which can get only bigger uh, in the business model, which is, which is, which is viable, right? So it, that, that's the mantra, let's, you know, those guys who can do that, they will probably uh, be around right now. I am a fan of actually uh, cooperation rather than competition, yep. sharing rather than playing poker. 
So I believe that it could be actually a joint coexistence of a bigger, big corporates who work together with the smaller innovative startups, changing the world together. Something what we with Chess are trying to do, what we're trying to combine the best from both worlds, strong balance sheet of Chess, with smart engineers from the energy sector with this innovative approach towards supporting uh, supporting these innovative uh, startups in clean tech. And all this coexistence and cooperation could actually make a big difference. It shouldn't be about big is bad, small is good. It's all about how can we work together to change the world for a better place. So um, that's, I think we'll see uh, both. Uh, uh, those who can cooperate uh, rather than compete and those who actually focus on the needs of the customers, they're going to be around us. And I guess for those uh, traditional utilities, they they can't move at the pace of a startup, but they need to evolve and move fast enough to work with the startups in the way you described. Exactly. Work with them, choose them, uh, and uh, cooperate. Um, well, I think what we all want is uh, a world in 2030 where we're in a much our energy sector is much cleaner, much more focused on customers. Mm-hmm. And um, it sounds, Peter, like your work at Inven, um, you've got a, we're one of the first funds, you've been very successful and wish you continued success in finding those startups, working with them, helping them to scale, making the connections. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll continue doing do, 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 to do so. Uh, just a couple of numbers. Uh, I, th- I think we need, according to McKinsey, uh, 5.7 trillion uh, euro to, to, to deliver on 2030 goals when it comes to yeah, emissions, etc. From which I think 1 trillion will be provided by uh, Europe, right? By, by the European uh, Commission. So we need the remaining part coming from the private uh, in funds and like Inven, etc. And where asset backed financing would play a key role uh, to scale up. Uh, uh, all those products and technologies which are ready to, for scale already today. So that's going to be the main uh, main driver of, of the success where FinTech uh, and, and, and is, is entering clean tech uh, and where big institutional investors will be able actually to invest in smaller decentralized, small decentralized uh, energy systems and the bridge needs to be built and we're going to see lots of uh, innovation uh, here and uh, to bridge that and we will be investing in this area as well. I completely agree in in old energy and to a degree new energy for offshore wind farms and big assets everyone knows how to how to finance those yeah. but the the new energy system will be capitalized a lot on the customer side of the meter and with distributed assets and that won't exactly. all come from customers that that needs finance. That needs to be this needs to be financed and uh, business model needs to be uh, found, find, and, uh, and uh, that's why we were really looking at Yeah. Well, look, wishing you as much success in the next nine years to 2030 as you've had in the last seven years, Peter. Um, thanks very much for joining. Um, thanks as always to our listeners to the podcast and look forward to welcoming you back to the episode next week. Thanks and goodbye. If you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, 
then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcast and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta-ee.com. Thank you.